Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the growing public backlash to a lot of companies' efforts to include gay and trans people in their marketing and their advertising and, you know, just how they do business. It's Pride Month, and this Pride Month in particular has been... What's the term here? Rough? Rough, I think, might be the best way to put it, because... Not that there has not been conflict over Pride Months in the past, and I would in no means want to downplay that, but this year in particular, you have seen concerted efforts from conservatives and the right wing to place pressure on those brands who are publicly embracing uh, Pride and the LGBT community in general. Probably the most public of these, at least in my mind, is the boycott that they put on Target, which had, you know, a line of pride uh, apparel and such that they were selling in their stores, and which pulled a lot of that stuff in response to not just the boycott, but the harassment of their employees. At least that was the reason they gave when doing so. Um going to quote from a CNN article here from back in May. Uh, headline, Target is being held hostage by an anti-LGBTQ campaign. Quote, during every Pride Month in June for the past decade, Target has sold merchandise for LGBTQ customers, employees, and allies. But this year, Target faced an anti-LGBTQ campaign that went viral on social media. Fueled by far-right personalities and on social media platforms, the anti-trans campaign spread misleading information about the company's Pride Month products and its business practices. Hurting brand sales and reputations was the stated goal of the campaign. Quote, the goal is to make Pride toxic for brands, said right-wing commentator Matt Walsh on Twitter. And just laying it out there, very explicit about what he was trying to do and unfortunately what to some extent, he and his ilk have been successful in doing. You know, like I said, Target dropped some of this merchandise. They've been less public about it because, as they put it again, their employees were being harassed and harangued and made unsafe by these people. So so what you mean is we finally found what will get a corporation to take employee harassment seriously, and that is the possibility that they may no longer have to stick up for, to the degree that any corporation ever does, stick up for LGBT people. So basically, you have to imagine that when those videos of people bothering employees, shoving them, removing pride merchandise themselves, you know, the kind of thing that if you did that and you weren't 
the kind of person, the kind of people that right wingers are, would probably get you the cops called on you, would get you tased, arrested, you might end up in jail, your house might get foreclosed on, you might lose your job. There might be actual consequences, is what I'm trying to put across, if you did that to somebody for any reason other than what these people are doing it for. So already you can see that this is not just Matt Walsh, who is a huge moron, and the fact that people are doing things on his orders should prove to you that this country deserves death, because that is a symptom of a deeply sick society. But you've already got evidence that Target, cops, everybody was so relieved when this happened because they could pull all this stuff off the shelves, pretend that they were very, very sorry, and I'm guessing boardroom executives were over the moon because you know that a bunch of them were never comfortable with this, were never happy with the idea of having LGBT-friendly apparel or wa- uh, working with LGBT artists. And this finally gave them the excuse they needed to pretend that it was all about their much sacrosanct neutrality. Well, I mean, this is just the final more forceful, or not, I hope, God... I hope it's the last straw for this because the pandemic and people absolutely losing their minds about vaccine mandates or masking and threatening workers and institutions to the point where institutions said, okay, I guess it's, it's things that are best for public health are controversial. And this is the same thing. This is a controversial product or, or, you know, merchandise stream or whatever and so they caved and you know to the point earlier that ryan was talking about where matt walsh openly said the i the point is to be anti-pride and to be as open as possible like we've gone past the point where they have to say it's not that i hate gay people it's that i'm worried about the children like they've already established that as an okay and we've kind of accepted you know, protecting the children is an okay thing to be concerned about when it comes to anti-LGBTQ issues. And now they can just openly say we're anti-LGBTQ. That's where we're at right now, is that is an okay and open thing for very bad people to say and and push. And it works because uh, Target took down their stuff. Bud Light took down their stuff. Starbucks took down their stuff. Uh, so many people have caved to this this month because they're all cowards. I I don't want to like make this a huge tangent, but I think it's it's particularly important that you're pointing out that this is an active strategy. What they're doing, like they're admitting that this is a tactic, is what I'm trying to say. Like, yes, Matt Walsh is as a person a homophobe and a transphobe. We know this. We've known it forever. But he's clearly admitting that what he's doing is a political strategy. This is an attempt to make anything associated with pride and the LGBT community toxic, that corporations simply won't engage with it. We already saw this playbook happen over the past several years with stuff about the pandemic and stuff about like woke in schools on a more educational, like like purely academic side of the thing with Christopher Rufo, who would proudly admit that he was doing this purely as a political stunt, that there was no actual content to it, that it had nothing to do with anything, that he was openly lying. He admitted all of this to his followers, and yet he was being covered as if he was a serious political figure that we all had to deal with. And 
despite that coverage, nobody actually tried to deal with him. Nobody actually tried to say, like, actually all of this is BS and there's no reason to engage honestly with any of it. And frankly, and this is a theme that we're going to discover keeps coming up, nobody seems willing to tell these people to shut the hell up. In every one of these stories that we see, like, all it would have taken is one of these corporations saying, actually, we're not going to do that. We think, you know, if we we think gay people shop at Target too. We think gay people want to drink our bad beer too. That's all it would have taken to blunt the effectiveness of this. But they're all caving because, again, I am convinced that deep down they've all been wanting to cave for a very long time. I'm sorry, but you're not going to convince me that the heads of Anheuser-Busch, that the heads of Target, that the heads of all these companies that donate plenty to Republican politicians, if they're not owned outright by them, are somehow bastions of acceptance for LGBT people. That's not the case. They were looking for an excuse to do this. They got it thanks to Matt Walsh and, and all of his fellow ghouls and they're taking advantage of it to make sure that nobody expects this out of them ever again this to them was a big giant reset button i do think there's something to commend the cnn article for for placing matt walsh front and center because i think in years past uh, when you talk about chris rufo who was behind a lot of the panic over critical race theory in schools, a topic you really don't hear anything about nowadays. Funny how that works. Yeah. It was treated as, you know, a grassroots uprising from parents and concerned citizens. And there wasn't really, it, you know, it was treated as a legitimate movement and not as something manufactured. And here, like CNN is laying out, this is, organized from the top down this is coming from one guy on twitter who sucks a lot a colossally repulsive toad the fact that matt walsh has afforded any space as a political commentator in this in this society should be an embarrassment to us all like everybody who acts on this guy's orders should literally go sit in the dunce corner and think about what they've done for the rest of their natural lives because none of the rest of us should have to interact with them. We're at a point where anytime anybody loses an athletic competition, their their parents' immediate thought, to be clear, is check the genitals on that other kid. I want to make sure that they're not trans. The CNN article also notes that unfortunately what's going on in Target is part of a pattern here. Um, we talked briefly last week about how the Los Angeles Dodgers removed and then brought back um, a group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, who uh, dress up as nuns as part of their outreach. And um, like the Dodgers distanced themselves from that group after, you know, Catholics uh, targeted them for ire and outrage and then brought them back because they realized that oh, actually, we're not going to help anything here by doing this. But as a consolation prize, they did do a Christian family night, the Dodgers, that is. So that that's what the equal balance is. You can have your pride night, but then you can have the real wholesome Christian families as the counterpoint to that, which made it so much worse. 
I think the real the real winner in the Dodgers situation is uh, Nationals pitcher Trevor Williams, who was recently identified as the top Catholic player in Major League Baseball, which. <laughs> Uh, who number one? He said we can't stand idly by while our Lord is mocked. Nobody said anything about God or Jesus. They just said stuff about the church. Number two, I think that's very eliminationist of a lot of Latina players, a lot of whom are also Catholic. But you know, God forbid any of them count. Yeah. Um, the lesson from the Dodgers and from Target is that. If you give these people an inch, they will want a mile. They will try and take a mile. The Dodgers learned belatedly that caving really isn't the thing to do here because then they will expect you to be at their beck and call on the next issue. You know, they won't settle for just removing one group from your Pride Night celebration. Next up, Straight Pride Night. I think that's just cops and military night. I think the um I think the Dodgers in particular felt safe because they are based in Los Angeles, which is you know, has its problems, let's not say that it doesn't, but it is a more accepting city for that. Bud Light is based out of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Target is nationwide. So they, again, they had a ready-made excuse, whereas Los Angeles had pressure from people that were basically saying, no, I'm going to stop going to games. Like, are you kidding me? The traffic sucks already. I don't want to be there as it is. And the team's not as good as it has been historically this year. So there's that too. Funny how that works as well, but let's not get into it. And and you had all these fans saying, I'm going to stop going. Like, I'm going to stop buying merchandise. Are you kidding me? Of course, I'm not going to engage with you if you're going to cave to these people. And because of that, I think the Dodgers felt a little bit safer in saying, actually, you know what? We're, we're not going to do this. We're, we're actually going to stop. We're going to let Clayton Kershaw have his Christian faith and family night. Get those other religions out of here. They're not legitimate. But, uh, but we're, we're going to do – we're still going to have the, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence there. We've mentioned Bud Light a couple times here just to lay out what that – controversy was this is an article from the los angeles times back in april so uh, really getting a head start on all of this uh quote on friday anheuser-busch inbev the parent company of bud light placed two of its marketing execs on leave after public outcry from conservative corners over the beer brand's partnership with a transgender influencer the move follows weeks of controversy, including a video of Kid Rock shooting cases of Bud Light and calls for a boycott backed by conservative figures, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And this no. one amuses me more than than the others and by amuses me. Causes me concern because uh, it's not just the issues with Target where they pulled the merchandise Anheuser-Busch actively punished the marketing execs involved with this. So, like, you don't put somebody on leave unless you think that, especially an executive, you don't put an executive on leave unless you think that they did something wrong. That's not how executives behave. They protect one another unless they feel definitely that somebody needs to take the fall for, for an action. So the fact that they punished the marketing team behind this indicates that they agree that this was a bad move and that this was controversial 
we can get into why I really hate that word later. So this is very concerning and alarming because part of the like fun capitalist liberal narrative that's been going on in the past 10 years or so is that society is bad and makes poor choices. All we really need is the correct moral people in power to make changes and force that kind of change. And that's going to be okay. And what you have here is a proof that that operating system doesn't work and that, you know, we can't have the CEO of a bank be the reason why the corporation is moral and good because ultimately they're not and they're going to cave to this kind of thing. The, yeah, no, that, that's, that's all true. Particularly, by the way, something that I kind of want to bring up again, I, I don't want to make a Go ahead, sorry. Something that I want to bring up in connection with this one specifically is how proud conservatives were that Bud Light had lost its spot as a top-selling beer to be replaced with Modelo. Modelo is made by Grupo Modelo, which is owned by Anheuser-Busch. These people are morons. Like, it, the, the level of... I know that this is partly because of the over-monopolization that we have going in in current in the current capitalist economy it, but it this isn't funny to me except in a very gallows way because what it really reveals is that our political and social culture is continually controlled by the stupidest evilest people in the country because we don't have a political formation right now that stands up for the marginalized in this country because the Democratic Party could be doing that, but instead they're too busy trying to figure out how to make people pay like back interest on their student loans or whatever. So that that's that's what we have. We have cowards and we have like mask off Nazis at this point. Those are those are our two flavors. Also it is very funny that they're very proud of a Mexican beer. Uh, or Mexican-style lager coming in and outselling Bud Light. Never thought I'd see the day the right wing would be happy about Mexican anything taking over in the United States, which tells me that on some level they have to know it is owned by the same company. I, I think the thing that strikes me about the Bud Light case is the um, disproportionality of it all. You know, these were not, I mean, specifically the thing that set all of this off is a video posted to Instagram by uh, Dylan Mulvaney, who is an actress and, you know, is now on Broadway um, in the Book of Mormon, where, you know, she got a can from Bud Light and was just talking about her transition while drinking from the beer. And that's it. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't sold in stores. And in response, you have Kid Rock and, you know, Republican governors basically scorching the earth towards Bud Light. There's like an all out assault on, you know, a infinitesimally small part of Bud Light's marketing campaign that like their budget is massive they have ads during every sporting event and this was one that you know you basically had to seek out to find but 
even that was too much for these people. I would be very shocked if we do not find out in time that these people had forewarning and that they that this was direct that the call was coming from inside the house so to speak not just because the replacement that they chose just happened to be sold by the same company ultimately and lined the pockets of the same people because as Lou pointed out the fact that executives actually got punished over this to me implies that this campaign was set up to fail from the get that this was some executives just saying, I think this isn't going to work out, but fine, you want to spread but the gospel of Bud Light to non-frat boys, go ahead, but it's not going to work. And then this was proof that it wasn't. I, I can't guarantee it, but I would be very shocked if there was an active cooperation from Anheuser-Busch on this one. It'll just take forever to find that out. Reading a bit more from this LA Times article about the whole fiasco. On April 4th, the company defended its partnership with Mulvaney, writing that it, quote, works with hundreds of influencers across our brands as one of many ways to authentically connect with audiences across various demographics. Fast forward, about 10 days later, as the turmoil continued, Chief Executive Brendan Whitworth issued a public statement, quote, we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people, Whitworth said. We are in the business of bringing people together over a beer. As, as long as they're not too gay, then, then maybe let's not bring them together. Yeah. My hunch is that if you're a regular listener to Punching Out, like you already know what needs to be said about all this. You know that this is deeply frustrating and it comes at a time when legislatures across the country are, you know, not just boycotting Budweiser, but also putting into effect, you know, bans on trans youth receiving care, things that have so much more impact on people's lives. It's not good. It's deeply frustrating to see all of this rear its ugly head. We're going to call this segment there. When we come back, we're going to talk, you know, having talked about these cave-ins, we'll talk a bit about the limits of even companies' best efforts at rainbow capitalism. We'll be back. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Still hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. Uh, in our first segment today, we've talked a bit about the backlash that we've seen this year from the right towards... Um, you know, companies' marketing efforts at, uh, you know, embracing the LGBT community, most notably with Target and Bud Light being the subject of boycotts from the right over, you know, what amount to very small marketing campaigns, if you really want to examine it, but nevertheless, the subject of weeks of coverage on Fox and the right-wing media about you know every dip in their stock price as a result. Fox, you say? More on that later. Yeah. 
in this segment, we want to talk a bit about, obviously, all of that is bad and ugly and, you know, it's not good. But at the same time, there are real limits to how far companies will go in order to embrace uh, diversity and embrace the LGBT community. You know, there are, we have a recent example from Starbucks. Now, Starbucks is a company that has long held itself as, you know, a progressive company, a company that doesn't just care about its bottom line. It cares about its workers and the community. You know, we've talked a lot about Howard Schultz on this show. You know what Starbucks is all about. And notably, Starbucks this month has had to deny union allegations and video evidence of their efforts at pulling down pride decorations at stores across the country. It seems that Starbucks, too, was also very willing to fold in light of even the tiniest pushback to Pride Month, though uh, as this New Republic article gets into, Starbucks has definitely gotten pushback over its p- stated politics before. So what's different this year? You know, why this year are they pulling down pride decorations halfway through the month? It's because their stores are unionizing and a lot of their employees are gay or trans and in doing this, they can really turn the screws on those employees. Hold on. Hold on now, Ryan. I, I just want to be just, you know, we're, we're all about being balanced on this podcast. And we should say that according to Starbucks spokesperson Andrew Troll, which, dear God, I tried not to mispronounce that one. His statement says, we unwaveringly support the LGBTQIA2 plus community. Uh, there has been no change to any policy on this matter, and we continue to encourage our store leaders to celebrate with our communities, including for U.S. Pride Month in June. I guess if it's Pride Month anywhere else, you're screwed. We're deeply concerned by false information that is being spread, especially as it relates to our inclusive store environments, our company culture, and the benefits we offer our partners, which is a very interesting addition in light of other things that we know about Starbucks's supposed unwavering support of the LGBTQIA2 plus community. So I don't I don't know what you're talking about. That can't possibly. They they could they they said fake news, Brian. I don't know what else you want from them. <laughs> Despite what Andrew Troll says, according to the union, workers in stores in at least 21 states, which that's a lot of states. We're told that all pride decorations must come down, even in unionized stores, where Starbucks normally argues it can't make sweeping changes without first discussing it with workers. Starbucks Workers United told the New Republic that workers at a store in Massachusetts were told they couldn't decorate because there weren't enough, quote, labor hours to decorate and run the store. Some employees were told decorating was a safety concern. In Georgia, workers were told it was unsafe to be on ladders to hang a pride flag. In Oklahoma, workers were told pride decor was considered unsafe because of recent attacks on Target. Hold on. you They had to know something was up when a manager was like, no, no, you can't be on that ladder. That's a safety issue. 
do not put your body on the line for the company. That that was that was the immediate like kill bill alarm started in the background. Yeah, this like so many of Starbucks anti-union efforts in the last couple years is really just the weaponization of minutia in the Starbucks employee handbook or whatever in order to, you know, stick it to organizers and would-be organizers of unions at Starbucks stores. They can pose that it's not really happening or that actually it's about safety, but we don't have to pretend that that's the real reason. This is punching out. This is not CNN. We do have a lot more integrity than CNN. That's for dang sure. I think I I do want to point out that the New Republic article, as far as I can tell, to be fair, I was uh, using reader mode because that's one of the few ways you can get around the New Republic paywall, did not feature, and and, uh, so I may be wrong about this, did it have the videos of managers taking decorations down? Because that doesn't show up on the reader mode as a thing. I, I do believe it does. There's a TikTok in this article. Oh, well, then there you go. Embedded. And, you know, if you're avoiding the paywall, uh, you might not have seen that. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's the video great. is there. Great. Now now we're at the point where corporate abuses of power and, and corporate homophobia and all that can't even be revealed unless it's on TikTok. <laughs> if it wasn't made into a TikTok, There's, did it even happen? There is... um. As always, the cruel irony that like half of the stuff I'm punching out is behind a paywall if you try to read it online. You know, all of these things interconnected. Did we did we talk about the health benefits yet thing? I was just about to do that, yeah. Go ahead. This is not Starbucks' first rodeo, if you will, um, at compromising their stated pro-LGBT views in order to score points against the union. Um, This article in In These Times uh, from August of last year has the headline, Starbucks holds life-saving benefits over trans workers' heads. Um, Subheadline, managers are wielding a new weapon against unions, gender-affirming health care. You know, just from that, you can probably get a gist of what's going on there. But nevertheless, I will read from the article because who Someone has to. Quote, Maddie Duran worked at the Starbucks on 75th Street and Interstate 35 in Overland Park, Kansas for 10 months. Quote, not only to pay the bills, she says, but because the company's health insurance covers gender affirming surgery. Many health plans exclude gender-affirming care, despite the fact that the medically necessary procedures can be life-saving. Harvard research shows gender-affirming care can significantly reduce suicidal ideation, for example. And without Starbucks Health Plan, Doran's facial feminization surgery would have cost her $42,000. But after Duran joined a union campaign at the store this winter, the benefit was, quote, waved over my head as an anti-union scare tactic, she says, with one store manager privately telling her, quote, you're here for the gender-affirming surgeries, and I'm worried about you losing that benefit and becoming the minority, quote, in contract negotiations, because ultimately the union decides. Just as usual, the caveat of 
you can't legally threaten that uh, you might lose benefits after unionization. That's a huge NORB uh, violation right there. But carrying on, an emailed statement from Starbucks to In These Times said that the company would, quote, bargain in good faith, but could make, quote, no guarantees about any benefits. To your point about the NLRB no-no, I do think that Starbucks is aiming for like a high score. So they have to say that like they're required to uh, threaten your benefits and existing pay uh, because that's like their policy now. They need to get that high score They're They have a goal in mind and that is what it is. Well, they're, they're considered hiring any fake priests. <laughs> we, can't, we cannot get into that on this episode. <laughs> Save it for later, Ryan. <laughs> you got to keep that powder dry there. That incense, I guess. <laughs> but I I do think that the Starbucks strategy is playing the long game of seeing how many of these they can get kicked up to the Supreme Court eventually. Uh, so that John Roberts and Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh and just the most, the worst, most corrupt people in some of them anyway, in the United States. And that is going some because they're all bad. So they can finally do away with the National Labor Relations Board permanently, which is what I think, you know, Howard Schultz wants in his soul more than ever because they're they're preventing everybody from sharing the uh, the, the Holocaust blank, blanket that is the Starbucks health plan. I, I still don't understand what that metaphor he used was about. I, I don't get that. This is nothing new. Every industry has done this uh, during the 1987, during the 1987 NFL strike, the Cowboys, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys specifically held coverage for injuries over players as a reason to get them to scab when replacement players were just absolutely abysmal. We know that industries routinely threaten employees with the loss of health care in retirement and other benefits because you know the union will come in from outside and negotiate the union that is made up of you and that you would like representatives for but regardless it, it's an outside agitator crisis actor that will come in and replace the family-like atmosphere that we have here which by the way strikes me as very strange especially in the context of pride because like a lot of people come from families that are not accepting of their lgbt status and a lot of people come from really disappointing families that are terrible to each other. So I have never understood why a company gets away with saying, but we're like a big family here. Yeah. Some of us don't want to be around that anymore. That that's, that's why we moved and things like that. So we wouldn't have to be in a family atmosphere. Just to conclude this story about Duran, the article goes on to note that before she could get surgery, she was fired along with two other outspoken union supporters in the same week, and the company accused her of stealing money, a charge she denies. Like I said, you know, they've been really digging for any foothold they can as a means of ousting union supporters from their stores. And in this case, it it's trans people who are at the business end of the stick, but it has been any number of union supporters across the country who've similarly been just discarded by Starbucks. And I, I think we talk about this story here as a way of getting into why 
people on the left have been skeptical of a lot of the embrace of pride and LGBT imagery by companies over the last few years, because at the end of the day, we all suspect that this is what will happen when push comes to shove. They will place profits over their LGBT workers, their LGBT customers, you know, anybody who needs to be thrown under a bus will ultimately. And unfortunately, oftentimes it is queer people who are first in line there. You know, they are the easiest to discard when need be for companies. I I used to think that the United States kind of culturally believed its own hype, but actually it doesn't because the image that it seeks to project is this idea of the, they used to call it the melting pot. Obviously that that's since been co-opted by a fondue restaurant. So it's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit, but it's still supposed to be this idea of everybody coming together, everybody in community. We, we treat everyone equally and all this. And, Obviously, that's not true, but also you can see more than ever that I don't know if it's a majority. It might not even be a plurality, but it is certainly the loudest and dumbest section of America that doesn't think that's true and doesn't think it should be true. They want an America that is straighter, whiter, maler, in many cases older, really. Ultimately, that's a lot of what they seek than what it is right now. Not richer, funnily enough. In that one, they're pretty sure they want everybody else to be less like them. But what you've got instead is a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of time on their hands and a lot of anger at anyone who's even a little bit different from themselves. And they have to find a place to put that anger because healthily processing your emotions is for Europeans, I think is how they think about it. So they have to take it out on innocent target employees and trans people who want to live their lives and be left alone to mind their own business and black people who don't want to be killed by cops and immigrants who are here because we have turned the rest of this hemisphere into we've tried anyway to turn the rest into this hemisphere into a violence ridden crap hole that that needs escaping from and that can't develop any independent industry without the United States sticking its finger in there to make sure things get worse again, because God forbid we will have our bananas and avocados from you. So when that's sort of the the background radiation of the country, the result you're going to get is corporations very tepidly being willing to occasionally make a non-controversial statement in favor of some acceptably LGBTQ people, and then instantly running away at the first sign of trouble. And again, very often, that is because corporations are only doing this as a test market. When you say they will throw anybody under the bus, frankly, they are the bus. They are the ones doing the same thing. There's a reason you may have seen, if if you're listening to this, you may have seen that Lockheed Martin was present at a pride parade and There's a reason that defense contractors are willing to stick up. Again, not like especially well, but they're willing to use the fact that they're very accepting of LGBTQ people officially as a um, a defense security, all of those people. There's a reason that they're willing to do that, and that's because they want to rainbow wash the fact that they are companies full of war criminals. 
that they are doing horrendous things to not only everyone outside of America, but also some people inside America, too. That they are in cahoots with cops, that they are in cahoots with federal agencies, that they are working for corporations and the state to make all of us less free. And one way to get people to ignore that is by pushing the fact that actually we're okay with gay people, so you can't be mad at us. Whereas all these other corporations, you know, whatever, all the crimes against humanity that you can lay at the feet of Target, they are not literally, as far as I know, bombing anybody in the Middle East to smithereens right now as we speak. So it would be appropriate given their name. Something that comes to mind for me is how um, a few years ago, following the George Floyd protests, you had a lot of companies that were very quick to announce how um, anti-racist they were. The NFL being a very prominent example of this because just a couple years prior, it had players protesting racism and massive controversy surrounding that, um, which it was not exactly comfortable embracing at the time, but the George Floyd protests happen and suddenly end racism is written in the end zone behind the Kansas city chiefs logo, which is hilarious. One pack there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it's, it's more like if you get there, they, they sort of put the, the middle words very small. It's really the end is racism. And at the same time, as the NFL is doing that and they're having the Washington football team change its name, they are still abiding by a system that pays out black players less in its concussion lawsuit settlement um, owing to a, just a wild degree of medical racism. And so you have this situation where on the one hand, there are right-wing freaks like Matt Walsh looking to eradicate any sign of pride from every corporation's marketing this month. And on the other hand, the underlying knowledge that even those companies that persist in having the rainbow logo on Twitter are doing so out of you know some deeper cynicism about profit calculations and how much money they can expect to take. It's hard to know how to feel about any of this at the moment. Yeah, notably, Chick-fil-A and Fox News both have Pride logos actively in circulation right now. Um, Chick-fil-A being very famous for uh, funding, was it conversion therapy or something like that, has given tons and tons of money probably is still doing it uh, to anti-gay causes, anti-LGBT causes. And Fox News being one of the big media pushes of anti-woke, anti-pride news stories and controversy. There's that stupid word again. Here's the thing, right? It would be one thing if it was, oh, Target had a rainbow logo and now doesn't. But Part of Target's merchandise wasn't just LGBT-friendly. It was designed by LGBT artists. They work with people who otherwise would probably not have gotten that kind of mainstream visibility because in the case of 
the one mentioned in the CNN article, I think, uh, name of Eric Carnell or Carnell. They have they've done imagery before that's a little bit less mainstream. Let's put it that way. It's it's basic teenage emo Satan stuff. From what the article said, I haven't seen the goods in question, but I find it unremarkable and anyone who's mad about lgbtq stuff at target i will guarantee right now has worn that crap as a kid or wears it right now because they're probably super into the kind of bands that use it in their iconography but when they work with this artist to put some of their stuff in stores as an you know and that that's a way to bring these artists into the mainstream to bring them the same way that the MCU keeps talking about how it's bringing all of these directors that are known for being original and progressive and all this stuff and taking on important social causes in their films. They bring them into the Marvel universe and then they never make another one of those movies ever again. They, they, they are in the MCU pipeline forever, as we said last week or two weeks ago. I don't remember who cares. Point is it, it isn't just that there's a surface level, let's put pride imaging on our corporate logo. It's that they bring LGBT people in and then tell them, actually, sorry, we don't want to spend money on beefing up store security. We don't want to tell these people to shut up because we recognize that ultimately in America, their word and their lives matter more than yours. So we're really sorry. We wish we could have uh, you know, our cake and eat it too here. But we can't do it. We have to side with either them, and they tend to be richer and more powerful than you, or you. And we're not going to side with the marginalized because we're a corporation. What are you talking about? We only do that rhetorically when we donate to Republican politicians who keep insisting that somehow rich white suburban parents are the most oppressed people in America. When that's the calculus you're up against, yeah, things are pretty bleak. When... Somebody when again, like it, it just it cannot be overstated what a cringe monster somebody like Matt Walsh is. And and all of them are. Kid Rock. Like we're supposed to be taking this person seriously. We weren't supposed to be taking him seriously when he was closer to the title kid. Isn't he like fifty-seven now? He can't be fifty-seven. He's that's too old. He is 52. Grow the hell up. That is what all of these people should have been told this entire time. They are acting like petulant children. And unfortunately, we live in a country where if you're a certain kind of kid, and by that I mean middle class and white, this country generally will allow you to do whatever you want. Deface statues bully marginalized people, be terrible on the internet. All we will ever say about you is, oh, they're just kids. What can you expect? Unless you put out the politics that they that the adults near you want you to put out, in which case it's the kids are all right. But no actual discussion of them growing and maturing as people. And so instead what you get is these overgrown children, man children to a person who get to control discourse in a mockery of civilization. Not that that concept really has any force to it, but if it should, it shouldn't include these people. They shouldn't exist in in this society. We're going to end this segment on that note. And when we come back, we'll try to come up with something positive out of all of this. Something, you know, how do we fix all this? 
You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. You can subscribe to the show or listen to past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Pride! And Lou. Hi, hey guys. On today's show, we've been talking about the discomfort that companies have had around Pride this month, both because they are unwilling to be real allies to their trans workers and because they are facing just a storm of right-wing nonsense directed at them for having the temerity to have, uh, you know, a trans person in their marketing. None of this is really great, but as always, I'm punching out. We're going to try and think of how we make all of this better. I was reminded during the last segment of like the old economics saying that, uh, the only thing worse than being exploited is not being exploited. And so how do we get to a situation where this pride stuff isn't just a cudgel in the culture war, isn't just a cynical exploitation of imagery? You know, how do we make everything better? All right. Step one, we can finally talk about the thing I've been, that's been bothering me the whole episode. The word controversy is horrible. Step one to making things better is to not treat the idea of treating other people with equality, justice, fairness, goodness, kindness, allowing them to exist and be free in their their own person as a controversial subject. Uh, the CNN article quoted somebody... I don't remember who, who said, yeah, sometimes I, uh, I recommend to my clients to not wade into controversial subjects, implying, of course, that Pride Month is a controversial subject. But the problem is right now, to quote, uh, everything's controversial. Controversial implies that there are two sides to this. And fundamentally, this problem is, on the one hand, you have people who exist and are otherwise just trying to live their lives, and people who think that they should be annihilated. Those are the two sides, and by treating this as a controversy, we are implying that those two sides have equal merit, and they are not. One side is evil, the other side is just people being people, and that's great. Everything that Matt Walsh has done to eliminate wokeness and eliminate pride and make that a target is bad and giving those people any kind of credit is bad recently the ap style guide released the an update to its style guide that said you cannot say trans exclusionary radical feminists you cannot call them that even though these are evil people who want to eliminate all trans people from society and from life that's fundamentally what they want and they've given them any kind of credibility as saying they have a point. They don't have a point. So step one, this is not controversial. We cannot allow these people to have any say in, in how we 
conduct business, even stupid capitalism, frankly. Yeah, I think that's fundamentally correct. This is the thick end of the wedge, so to speak, because we've already had this debate about everything from evolution and uh, it, what is it, IQ and its relationship to race and everything with every single and frankly, the, the causes for the Civil War. Like this country has been in a state of things being controversial that are not controversial, like things where, as you said, Lou, the, there are not two sides with equal merit. There is one side and there are villains. Uh, we've been at this since 1865. It, this is the original, if, if slavery was the original sin of the United States, this is maybe the original sin of the post, well, mid-reconstruction, I guess, United States, because we're not done with that one either. So what you've got there is this idea constantly that if you are the kind of person who feels that any lessening of your social, cultural, political power is a problem that needs to be stamped out, if your kids might do anything from date a non-white person to decide to tell you one day that actually they have realized and have come to know for years of their lives that actually they are attracted to people of the same gender that they were assigned at birth to decide that they enjoy, you know, uh, dressing up in clothing that's coded as being of the opposite gender to, I don't know, <laughs> these days decide that they want to speak another language for God's sake. If you are one of the people for whom all of that is a threat, this country has always catered to you. Every single moment of every single day throughout American history, this country has done nothing but butter you up, blow smoke up your ass, and tell you that actually you're right. And we're very sorry. So I think part of the problem is that we were misled. Partly by cynical corporate manipulation of things like pride, of things like anti-racism after George Floyd protests, we were misled into thinking that the country was becoming more tolerant. And a lot of people want to think that because they want to go to Thanksgiving dinner and have a civil conversation with their uncle or their grandmother, whom they know has horrible beliefs about some things, but they would really like to get through it this one time. Or maybe because, I don't know, they go to church with this relative and they don't want to feel bad about doing that. So, unfortunately, we end up in this space where everybody kind of convinced themselves that this was happening. And I do think the average person is more accepting of these things than they used to be. But we haven't convinced them to be louder about that. So, I don't know if I've said this before, I'm punching out explicitly. I'm bisexual. I am not out at work. I may never be out at work. I don't know if that's ever a possibility for me. There are a few colleagues that know. The only students I've ever told have graduated. And we have an LGBT group uh, that took a fair amount of effort to get done. And we had a, a visit from somebody, an acquaintance of our, our faculty moderator, who was not me. And this is an older person who was not much of an activist, self-described, and is very much the person that these right-wingers claim is like an acceptable 72-point-air quote, gay person. Just somebody who likes living their life with their spouse, hanging out, doing normal stuff. And even this person is quite accurately scared 
of all of the things that are happening right now. They were asking the students, like, is this influencing your decision of where to go to college? You know, are you are you thinking about where do you want to avoid going based on the things that are happening in those states? And I have to be honest, it hadn't hit me that that would be a possibility, maybe because not a lot of our, our students tend to go to those places in the first place. But it, it just it hadn't occurred to me. And the fact that they were scared, despite to all appearances and despite having a supportive workplace, despite being to all appearances, exactly the kind of person that everybody pretends they're fine with, I think tells you a lot about where we are as a country. We, culturally and socially, are not standing up for LGBT people. No amount of corporate pride logos is going to do that. No amount of, I don't know, like Macy's or whatever touting, you know, how well they, how much they welcome LGBT money is going to do that. Because that just means you're participating in the economy. And you have to do that regardless of whether you're straight or gay. Because that's the system we have. You have to do that to survive. We don't have guaranteed basic income. You're not guaranteed food. You're not guaranteed healthcare. All of that is in the market. I guess where I'm going with this is, we've said this before on Punching Out, but the problem here is that this, everything we have here is a negative right. Where equality has been won, it has been that the state will not stand in your way. Not that the state explicitly recognizes your existence as a human right. There are states beginning to catch on to this and trying to make that part of what they do, but they're doing it explicitly in reaction to other states banning gender-affirming care, banning teachers from talking about LGBT issues, uh, you know, controlling what, what employees can do if they're gay, and corporations certainly doing their part as well. But I think it, it really is incumbent on us. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of straight people not pulling their damn weight is what it is ultimately. There are a lot of people not willing to get into uncomfortable conversations. There are a lot of people not willing to annoy their relatives or their friends or their coworkers when they say something horrible. And that's just going to allow the Matt's Walsh of the world to fester in those people. They need to be told to shut up. They're children. They have the beliefs of a child, of a particularly terrible, spoiled brat child. And those children don't learn by being given everything they want. They learn by being told no. And since there are a lot of governors and state legislatures in this country that aren't going to do that, we have to do it for them. So that maybe someday those people change how they vote, change the politicians they support, and maybe some small measure of this can be clawed back before we all die of boiling planet. For this week, I'm Ryan. I'm Lou. I was Noah. And this is punching out. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.